Welcome back to Amid Yomi. Today we're continuing to learn Masechtas Megillah. We're on Davav Amid Beis. We're actually beginning on the bottom of Vav Amid Aleph. And as usual and always, we're learning in the merit of the hostages and the soldiers. That everyone should come out home safely and, and securely, both in body and in spirit, says the Gemara. We were discussing similar uh, teachings from a Yitzchak. We're going to discuss something else similar to that. Yesterday we actually discussed how Yitzchak had a conversation with God. This is Yitzchak, the, uh, the forefather. And he said to God, can you spare your Esau? And basically God said, no, I'm not going to because there's no redeeming factor about it. But I'm Reb Yitzchak, says Reb Yitzchak, my save the Pasuk tells us, um, this is a Pasuk found in Tehillim, Grant not Hashem the desires of the wicked ones. Don't grant them their desires. And then it says, do not remove his nose ring that they should be exalted. What does this mean? So now we have Yaakov talking to God. Yaakov says to God, God, Do not grant Esav, my brother, the desires of his heart, the evil desires of his heart. And do not remove his nose ring. What does that mean? Again, a nose ring here more sounds like it's like the um, the nose ring that a camel has, some sort of, uh, the, for, where you tie the reins to so that you can control it, keep it under control. So that refers to Germaya Shug Edom. This Germaya, uh, which sounds, by the way, like Germany, Jacob Eden writes, a province of Edom. If you remove the nose ring, there's no way to control them, and then they will go go forth and destroy the entire world. Okay, Rabbi Chama says, let me tell you something about this place, Gramaya. There were 300 crown princes in Gramaya of Edom. And there are 365 chieftains in Rome. Every day these groups go and they fight each other. One of them is killed. And they get they, they, they spend the next day, rest of the day trying to appoint a new ruler. The implication seems to be <coughs> the implication seems to be if they weren't so preoccupied fighting among themselves, then they'd go forth and destroy the world. Once we're discussing, let's do some more. The person says to you, I worked really hard. To learn Torah, I did not succeed. Al Talmud, we don't believe them. They say, I didn't have to work at all, and I yet I succeeded in learning Torah. Al Talmud, don't believe them. You got to us because they tell you, I really labored really hard to learn Torah, and I succeeded, Tom, and then you can believe them. This is only in regards to Torah study. With regards to business, one's success is solely dependent on the assistance from heaven and not on one's efforts. And with Torah study, it's only with regards to understanding, but when it comes to remembering, to remember what you learn, it's all dependent on success. Uh, your success is all dependent on assistance from heaven. Okay, next. Another teaching from Rabbi If you see a wicked person who's enjoying uh, in his moment of good fortune, don't contend with him, don't argue with him, don't bother him. Why? Shinemark, the Pasuk here, this one as well is in Tehillim, in Perek Lamed Zayin. The Pasuk says, So the Pasuk says, do not contend with wicked people. Do not argue with wicked people. Furthermore, but he'll actually be successful. Shinemark, the Pasuk says, again, this is also in Tehillim, 
Uh, the Pasuk says, let's do the whole Pasuk, we're going to hit it in a minute. The Pasuk says, his ways are always one are successful. Your judgments are far removed from him. All his foes, he blows at them. So this again shows that there are, God creates space for a wicked person to have success in this world. So again, um, uh, uh, um, his ways are successful. Now that he'll emerge victorious in court, you have a person so evil, sometimes God gives them again the space in this world to be successful. Uh, so your judgments are far removed from him. That is that he won't, he, he will be able to pervert justice and God will not be uh, dealing with him in this world. Well, all Sharab is honest, not like that, but he'll witness the downfall of his enemies. Shnemar called Sorov Yafiyah Behem. All his foes, he blows at them. So, again, what we have here is that sometimes God allows the wicked to succeed in this world so they don't get any reward in the next world. And therefore, we see from Tehillim that when, they're, when they seem successful, don't contend with them, don't argue with them, don't torment them, because this is their time to, to uh, be successful. The Gemara then says, Any, is this really true? One should antagonize wicked people. A person could contend with, could antagonize the wicked in this world. Shinemar, because the Pasuk says, this one is in Mishlei. Those who forsake the Torah praise the wicked, and those who dear to the Torah contend with them. As in those who forsake the Torah, we see finally praising the wicked, but all those who are in Oba Hashem Sinura, those who are dear to the Torah, who love God, are going to uh, fight and protest. But Tanya, furthermore, is taught in a bride, sir. A person is allowed to antagonize the wicked in this world. And a person should say to you, How can you do that? Don't we know the previous passage? Do not contend with the wicked, not be zealous against evildoers, as in seeming like, do your thing. Do your thing. So, know that the per the, the, when, you're, when, when you are trying to quote this passage, that's really your conscience, which is telling you that uh, you don't really want to fight with them, that you're fearful that uh, being punished with them. Okay. Um, fine. Ella, rather, how should you read the Pasuk? Not al-ta'achya b'moreyim, do not contend with the wicked, but rather, do not compete with the wicked, as in, don't try to uh, be like them. Leo's tomorrow to be like them. Al-ta'achya b'moreyim, also, don't be envious of the evildoers, let's go to Obla, because you want to be like the evildoers. And similarly, when it says, uh, let not your heart envy sinners. So again, what we have here is uh, a bunch of psukim which tell us that you could contend with them and that we don't want to. It seems that you're, you don't want to get in trouble, but actually, really, you're allowed to contend with them, you're allowed to antagonize them. But what you should definitely not do is try to emulate wicked people. But what do we have here? So we have Rav Yitzhak who says one shouldn't argue with them. And then we had uh, we had the next part where the Gemara says, this is really true, but Rav Yochan said in the name of Shemar Yochai, one should argue with the wicked. That in regards to your personal affair, so you don't have to argue, don't argue with the wicked. When it comes to uh, defending God's God's affairs, defending Torah mitzvot, so then as we said, oh Hashem Sinura, you should protest. He was or you can say today. This both these Rav Yitzchak and Rav Shimba Yochai are talking about one's personal affairs. A purely righteous person. So then they can uh, antagonize the wicked, and probably because they're doing it totally lishma, they're doing it because they're trying to defend God's honor, and they have no personal negios. It's not because they want to, you know, they feel good about protesting. When you say you should antagonize the wicked, that's because you're not totally righteous, and you know, maybe part of it's personal, that you're trying to attack them, maybe you're, just, you're getting a thrill out of the protest, and that's not appropriate.
The Pasuk here says in Chavakuk, why do you look upon them that deal treacherously and remain silent when the wicked sh- swallow up one who is more righteous than he? Tzadik many bala. That is to say, a wicked person can swallow up one who is merely more righteous than himself. Tzadik Amr, any bala, but he cannot swallow up one who is completely righteous. When a person is enjoying good fortune, it's different. Then you shouldn't antagonize them. Let them enjoy their success now, and then uh, they'll pay for it later on. Okay, Amr Ula. Italian shall yovin zekrach gadol shiromi. A new point. This there was a city called Italia in Rome. It was so great that it's, that that It was three hundred parsa by three hundred parsa. Parsa is four mil, which is eight thousand amos. You know about three miles, about three miles. So you can do three hundred parsa. It's, it's uh, so three hundred by you know three hundred parsa by three hundred parsa is a very large amount of space. That's 365 hay. Shvaka, that's 655 marketplaces. That's how wealthy it was. Um, corresponds to the number of days in the year. The smallest of the marketplace was for the, uh, the those selling birds. And it was 16 mil by 16 mil. Again, a mil is 2,000 numbers, roughly uh, 4,000 feet. So you can, uh, it's, it's very large. The king would dine in one of these marketplaces every day. And uh, everyone who lived in the city, even if they were not born in the process base, Amelch would take a stipend, would get paid by the king's palace, reverse taxes. And similarly, anyone who's born there, even that lived there, the process base, Amelch would take again some sort of stipend from the king's palace. There were 3,000 bathhouses. There are 500 windows, which would direct all the smoke away from the city walls. And Rashi points out so the walls wouldn't come blackened. One side was, was the ocean. One side was protected by the mountains and hills. There's a barrier of iron. There was a, pep, there was a swamp. Okay, so we're just some very large city in Rome. Why are we bringing it up now? Not really sure. Good. Let's move on to the Mishnah. So this Mishnah is the first of what we call the Ain Bains, that we're going to compare and contrast various phenomena uh, in religion in our religion and show how they're similar and how they contrast. So we're going to open up talking about the similarities and the differences between Adar Rishon and Adar Shani. So let's begin. Of course, a person reads Megillah on the first Adar, like this year, and subsequent to Purim, Yudalid of Adar Rishon, they, Desdin announces we're actually going creating a leap year, inserting a second Adar in, they must read it again in Adar Shani. Very important. The Tanakhama says that if you read it in first Adar and they make it a second Adar, you must read the Megillah again. Because there's no difference between the first Adar and the second Adar. Except in respect to the Megillah and the gifts of the poor, which seemingly mean that one who does them in the first Adar has not fulfilled their obligation and must do it again in the second Adar. Okay. What about the Suda? What about all that stuff? So we'll, have, we'll come to that later. So what would be a, a place um, where they're similar? What would be a similarity? That we know there are four parshos we read leading up to uh, Pesach, really. Leading up to Pesach, which we're going to... that Those are Shkolem, Zachar, Para, and Achodesh. A lot more of that comes up later on in this Masechta. Um, they are the same. That is, if you read them in the first or the second Adar, regardless of when you read them, you fulfill your obligation. So our Mishnah says no difference, meaning to say that whether you read them in the first or the second, you fulfill your obligation. But with, with respect to Megillah, you have to read it in the second, even if you already did read it in the first. 
Money must Nisa, who is the author of Mishnah? Let's see, there are going to be three different attempts, or be three different opinions out there we're going to reject as the authors of our Mishnah. Lo Tanakam, it can't be the Tanakam. Velo Rabbi Lezbun at Yosi, it can't be Rabbi Lezbun at Yosi. Velo Rabbi Shimon Gamliel, our Mishnah is not, neither Rabbi um, Shimon Ben Gamliel. Did Tanya. So now let's go through these three opinions of the uh, Tanakama, Rabbi Lezbun Yosi, and and uh, and Shimon Gamliel to show how they're not our Mishnah. Again, our Mishnah says that if you read the Adarish and Adarishin are the same, with exception of if you read Megillah and Adarishon, you must read it again in Adarishin. Says the Brisa. Karas Megillah Adarishon, but it's Arbashana. So you read the Megillah in the first Adar and they make a leap year. Kodis of Adarishini, so then you must read it again in the second Adar. Why should call mitzvah shenegas b'sheni nagas b'rishon? Because all the mitzvahs that apply in the second adar can apply in the first adar as well. Chutz be mikra megillah with the exception of mikra megillah. So now that actually sounds like our mishnah. So we're going to figure out why that can't be our mishnah in a moment. If you read the megillah in the first adar, you do not need to. You need not read it again in the second adar. Why should call mitzvah shenegas b'sheni nagas b'rishon? Because basically he's saying adar rishon adar shenegas are virtually the same, and choose the adar you want to you want you want to celebrate. That um, you must read. you must read again the second adar. Because all the myths that apply in the second adar do not apply in the first adar. And the only similarity between Adarish and Adarshani is the fact that both of them, Adarish and Adarshani, Purim, you're not allowed to eulogize and to fast. Okay, so now. Also, Rishimigamalil also sounds like the Tanakama here, right? Both Rishimigamalil and Tanakama seem to say that you must read it again the second Adar. So Rishimigamalil, Hainu Tanakama, they're exactly the same. What's going on here? Amara Papa, Seder Parshik No, they disagree when it comes in regards to the four Parshos. To kind of sum up the because Tanakama says you should read the four Parshos in the second Adar. But if they read it in the first Adar, then the Devita works. Except with the exception of Mikra Gilad, if you read the first Adar, you must read it again the second Adar. You can read it in the first Adar. So that's the difference. So again, we had three opinions. Then the Gemara says, Danakam and Rishimigam Lil seemingly are the same. Both of them said you have to read Megillah again the second Adar. And the answer, was, the answer is, what's the difference between them? How do we differentiate them? According to the Tanakhama, when it comes to the Arba Parshos, the four Parshos, if you read them in the first Adar, you need not read them again in the second Adar. Again, Lichachila, one should read them in the second Adar, but if you make a mistake, or they only, uh, they only make a Ibriyar, uh, a leap year, after you read the Parshos, or through the Parshos, so then you don't have to read them again. Whereas Shemingam Lil says, no, that if you do a leap year, you must read the Parshos again. They have to be read in the second Adar. Okay, so that's the difference. Money. So then, who again is the author of Mishnah? If you see the author of Mishnah Tanakama, Kushya Matanos. That it's a problem with the Matanos because our Mishnah says that Matanos of Yonim can only be done in the second. Um, can only be done in the second Adar. Says our Mishnah again. Look back up. Ain ben Adar Rishon the Adar Sheni. Ella Prius Megillah Tanos of Yonim. That implies seems to imply Matanos of Yonim must be done in the second Adar, whereas the Tanakama never mentions that. So that, that's therefore he can't be the author of Mishnah. He was very Yosi, because he did not make Megillah. He thinks you can make Megillah in the first Adar. Definitely not him. He was Shimon Gamliel, because he did a parashos. Then our, right, our Gemara opened up and said that the, how, how are Adarish and Adar Shani similar? How are, what's the similarity? The fact that the four parashos can be read in either of them, and Rashimigam Gamliel clearly rejects that. So Mishnah says, no, Lolan Tanakama. 
It must be the Tanakhama. Tanakhama, the Tanakh Mikra Megillah, who are in the Tanakh of Yonim. As you've seen, you've seen multiple times already, that the Tanakh of Yonim are, are inextricably linked with Mikra Megillah, right? We said that the Habahatalia, they depend on each other. The Aniyam know when you read the Megillah, that's when they get the Tanakh of Yonim. They always come together. In fact, if uh, Megillah is read on the Yudalah for your days, we also say you can fulfill the Tanakh of Yonim then. Uh, and therefore, when the Tanakhama writes that that uh, you have to repeat the Megillah, who I did, also Matanas of Yodim, so therefore the Tanakhama is the author of our Mishnah. Or maybe Lone Bear Shimming Lil. Lil is the author of Mishnah. So again, we say, how can Rashimming Lil be the author of our Mishnah? Didn't we just say Rashimming Lil said, if you read the four parts in the first Adar, you must read them again in the second Adar, whereas our Mishnah said that. They're the same, at least on a level of B'diyavid. So the Chasuri Mechsar, there's uh, some w- missing words in our Mishnah. So let's reread our Mishnah. There's no difference between the 14th of the first Adar and the 14th of the second Adar. So now we're not discussing the months altogether. Meaning, we say Ein bin Adarisha and Adarshain, it implies the entire month. The month in its entirety with all the halachas that come along with that month, there's no difference. He's saying, no, no, no. There's no, there's no, difference, there's no difference between the 14th, Aipurim of Adarisha and Purim of Adarshain, Elamikra Megillah, Tanah Savyonim. Halin Hespidu, Tanah Sevazeshavan. Except Megillah and the gifts of the poor, which must be read in the second Adar, but with regard to Yulzhu and fasting, both of them are served. You will say the Parshish, Lo Emra. And we never discussed the idea of reading four Parshish. That's about Adar. We're not discussing Adar, we're just discussing particularly. Here's the halacha. Ready? Laws according to Shimming Amlil and Yosi that everything must be done in the second Adar. That being this, that being the case, uh, when it comes to yard sites, some uh, keep it in the first Adar. Okay. Omar Rabbi Yochanan. Mishneim Mikra Echadarshu. Both of them, as in Rashimming Amalel, who says everything takes place in the second Adar, and Elizabeth Yossi, who says it takes place in the first Adar, learn it from the same verse. The verse says in the verse we've seen before, uh, this one is found in the Megillah. It says, The Kaim Lame Leos Osim S. Yom Arba Asalachodesh Adar, as Yom Hamisha Asarbo, the whole Shana Vashana. Says the verse, Behol Shana Vashana, each and every year, Elizabeth Yossi Osavar, Behol Shana Vashana. What does it mean every year? Makol Shana Vashana Adar, Asalachodesh Adar. Just in every year, perm is observed in Adar, the closest to the month of Shvat. Afkan, Adar, Samach, Shvat. Rav Shimon, Lil, Samach, Nav, Chol, Shem, Shana. Ma, Chol, Shem, Shana, Adar, Samach, Nisan, it's Adar, close to Nisan. So, too, Afkan, Adar, Samach, Nisan. Here, too, it's Adar, close to Nisan. Now, what's going to what's gonna cause them to um, to uh, choose their respective positions, Ad, Nisan or Shvat? Why, why would we go to Nisan over Shvat or Shvat over Nisan? Bish, Lamar, Lezbe, Yossi. It's understandable why we're Lezbe, Yossi. Wants to interpret the verse to say the one closest to Shvat. We have a principle called Ein Mavir and Alamitzvos. We don't pass over mitzvos. Which I'm going to say this now, and I could be totally wrong. You can correct me. I think the sheet of Tosfos thinks that's even a Daraisa. But basically, Ein Mavir Alamitzvos means we don't pass over mitzvos. Which is why when we we, we put our tefillin away in the morning, we put it away so that when we put our hand the next day, we don't, we take the shel yad off. First, we don't pass over the Yosh to get the Shalyad. It's why when you, even when you construct a Shul, you shouldn't pass through different uh, ways in the Shul. You have to, you, we want to do mitzvahs. We don't pass over mitzvahs. Excellent. El my time. Why would Rishimim Gamliel say, to put Adar, to put Purim next to Nisan? time to Because you want to put the Geula of Nisan next to the Geula of, oh, sorry, the, Geula, the redemption of Purim next to the redemption of Pesach. That, that's what we want to do. This is very interesting. I believe I gave a, either a drusha or maybe Shabbos a Gadol when I first got here about 
the connection between Pesach and, and, and Purim. In fact, I'll just say this now, even though I reserve the right to say it again for Shabbos Gadol Drasha. So for all those of you who are listening, you're going to have to just nod your heads as if the first thing you're understanding when you hear it then. There is a, there is a um, Rashi says, why? Because we're leading up to uh, per, to Pesach. Leading up to Pesach. Okay. Why that is? Not for now. Great. Let's do uh, one more. Oh, let's actually, we'll stop over here. All right. I wish you all a wonderful day.